0: Lions of the Southland, Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. Mr. Grant, we took a week off because we recorded like four hours of audio two weeks ago. Uh, I think it did go pretty well. What did you think of our
1: 100th episode special? I got to say, as somebody who is a big fan of the Basketball Conference podcast, starring one Mr. Joey Weaver and Mike McDaniel. And as the guy among the two of us who does re-listen to this here fine podcast to make sure that, uh, you know, we He don't grinds make- the tape. Yeah, I grind the tape. Um, very weird merging of worlds to hear uh, our voices intermingled with with uh, the legendary jo- Joey Weaver. But um, no, ev- everything else I thought was, was delightful. Um, it was great having him on. It was great having everyone else on. And it was a nice distraction from the truly- awful pain that is georgia tech football because let's be real uh the highlight moments that everyone i think except me uh duh on brand uh brought up we're all we're all football but it it was good to go down memory lane especially learning a thing or two um fsu 2009 uh i did not know a single thing about other than it rained um because you know they mentioned that last year or i guess now twenty two years ago um during that FSU rainy, rainy game. But now I'm rambling, but uh, I thought it was nice. Uh, if anybody has any uh, comments on on future segments, they'd like to see any, uh, you know, maybe, maybe getting the roving Carolina correspondent in the door a little more often or something like that. Uh, but based on last week's basketball results, I think it's for the best that we didn't have him on two weeks in a row. So thank you. For oh, coming. I would
0: have him on right now.
1: We'll
0: get there. <laughs> We'll get okay. there. I I have some. Uh, there's we can strike while the iron is hot. There personally, um, it, it was a good episode. I, I I think it was really fun to, like you said, it was really fun to listen to all the stories. And um, I the one thing that stuck out to me, this is not related to the actual stories, but like Joey's audio recording setup was very professional. Uh, and I'm very excited to potentially put that put something like that together. Uh, if work ever sends me the microphone that they told me they'd send me but we'll we'll find out whenever that comes
1: in hey fair enough um and uh readers listeners uh viewers Viewers, because podcasting is a visual medium um if you guys have any stories or comments on stories you guys would like to share with us as always uh from the rumble seat at gmail.com add us on twitter comment um I think my DMs are open, but I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, so I didn't think you were gonna do
0: the plug out. this early.
1: I I, mean, I knew this episode was gonna
0: be short. I didn't think it was gonna be that short.
1: We gotta get them while we can. Um, but some exciting stuff coming up, uh, written and uh on the podcast through uh, you know, kind of this mediumly quiet. I guess it's not that quiet. We are about to talk about five different sports, but relatively quiet um January before. You know, baseball and softball get back up. We've had, I guess, only half of the tennis that we expected. It, it's it's still relatively quiet, I'd say. Um, I mean, we, we, have have like we
0: have like two quiet weeks. We have like two quiet-ish weeks until then. You have all all of the spring sports in play. But let's start with a holdover from the fall. Uh, the swim meet, or swim team, excuse me, was supposed to be in action this past week, this past couple of weeks, but. Inclement weather in Atlanta uh, seem to and have Charlotte. put... And Charlotte. You know, snow affects us all. Winter weather, tropical storm, what was it? No, it was winter storm, Izzy, after the uh, Atlanta Olympics mascot uh, affects us all, apparently.
1: They name winter storms? Am I just, am I a clueless on that? Is that like a thing? It's
0: not I an, okay, so it's not Noah. Like, it's not an official name. Like, hurricanes get official legal names but um uh, the Did weather channel just gives the weather channel gives storms
1: marketing names basically ah uh, i'm uh i'm sure that that is just super normal and for not weird reasons um
0: do you want to tell us
1: where swim is going next week uh swim is going to uh 750 first drive northwest because they're going to be at home but um yeah, no, they'll, they'll be facing Tulane and Arkansas at home on Friday evening, afternoon, late afternoon, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then they will be hosting Gardner-Webb. Uh, I believe that's for Senior Day on Saturday because it is their last uh, dual meet home or away of the year. So uh, Gardner-Webb will be at home and then we'll have the Yellow Jacket Invite, which typically has not been very well patronized. So go figure on that. Uh, and then we'll see them in action again at well really they're at home the rest of the way because you got yellow jacket invite in february then you got accs which tech is hosting and then you have ncaa's which tech is also hosting so this is you know, just an
0: incredible incredible schedule like I'm, I'm just scrolling through it right now and it's they do not yeah they do not leave <laughs> the only away meet it, it, on this part of the schedule actually i think in Literally all of their schedule other than, okay, I guess they spent a weekend for a cup of coffee in in North Carolina, but the rest of the schedule is just all.
1: (laughs) Well, see, that's the crazy thing. Last year we were talking about their, their schedule and the ridiculous uh, nonsense that was this coaching staff having to spend five straight weekends in Greensboro, North Carolina. Now they
0: spend like (laughs) 10 straight weekends in,
1: in Atlanta. Hey, You know what? If if that's what keeps the cost down and keeps the doors open, that, you know, travel budget really low this year, bringing in money, hosting this meet this year. Those are good things. Um, But uh, what's I going to say? Shoot. No, I am a little disappointed not to see us match up against Queens. Uh, I thought it was really weird when I found out they were on the schedule because I'm not much of a D2 swim guy. Uh, It was never really on my radar as much as D1 or D3 uh, when I was, you know, looking at schools or just, you know, being a fan of the sport, but Queens is pretty good. Uh, so a little disappointed not to see them. They did get, uh, sleeted freezing rain did, did. I mean, yeah, they were probably
0: going to bust the three hours down to, down to Atlanta. I assume. I, yeah.
1: I'd rather them, you know, stay warm and, and safe than, you know, do a swim meet that, as much as I love the sport, but, um, so yeah. 85 was a 85 was a whole mess from what I understand. So
0: but uh, better better safe than sorry on that one.
1: We got we got D one competition coming up this weekend. Um, Arkansas, Tulane, Garner, Webb. So should be should be something a tune up. We haven't seen a real meet and feels like months. But you know, yeah, because they got
0: Auburn. Auburn was canceled because of protocols, COVID protocols. Uh, there was an inner squad this past Friday, apparently.
1: Yeah, it was like. <laughs> means isn't showing up but we are still here to do this meet so let's do the meet kind of thing
0: yeah interesting um and then obviously Tulane and Arkansas for the women and then Gardner-Webb for the men and women uh next week so good stuff let's keep on trucking to another short update on the track and field team they were at the Carolina Challenge uh in the past couple weeks uh what do you got for me there
1: Yeah, um, not a ton. There are a couple of first-place finishers. I'm going to get the names right, so let me go look. Uh, That would be Taylor Grimes in the long jump. They actually had uh, three in the top five in that event, uh, as well as Ethan Kernow winning the men's 5,000-meter. Sorry, not the 500-meter. A couple other podium finishes. It's fine. I I think the big takeaway here is they spent a lot of time in South Carolina, Um, so hopefully you know, they enjoy that because they're going back to Clemson Uh, even though they're just there two weeks ago uh, this coming week for for the Bob Pollock invite. And yeah, the other thing I got is they're five weeks out as uh, coach Drosky noted from ACC indoors. Uh, So, you know, kind of, kind of getting into the the stretch run of indoor season. And that's the interesting thing about track is it just does kind of bifurcate the spring. So indoor will be over before, I guess we even really know, but you know.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, they're like, you said, they're like, they're just, Five weeks from being done. It's really this is just always a very short, condensed, nice and tight, like 10-week season. It's very odd.
1: Yep. Um, but yeah, that's all I have on track. Not not a ton there. Nothing, not that nothing jumped out, but nothing crazy in terms of headlines or things like that.
0: Let's go to something with a couple more headlines. Uh women's tennis, who is currently ranked 12th in the ITA rankings. Uh, we missed a couple of things in the last uh, weeks as tennis started back up. Uh, we had a couple of meets or, or a couple of matches canceled, but they did uh, face South Carolina. Uh, and then unfortunately, their Georgia Southern match was canceled because of COVID protocols at Southern. Talk to me a little bit about the South Carolina matchup.
1: Yeah. Uh, so they were in Carolina, uh, in Columbia, for. Uh, I think it was two days, but uh, they, they they've matched up with Carolina quite a few times over the past few seasons. Tech has generally come out of those on top. I think it's fair to say, um, even though we did have like a, a bottom of the top twenty five year in there when we were kind of matching up really similar, similarly to Carolina. Uh, they do tend to get great teams into Columbia for uh, for their various <laughs> fights and things like that. Um, Tech uh, basically played for the most part, against South Carolina and Auburn. Uh, They went one for three against both of the two of those schools in doubles. Um, Again, with not playing a full match against Auburn, a little bit different, uh, but uh, Tech did fare better against the Gamecocks in singles. Uh, On the second day of the weekend, uh, they were able to play um, Wake Forest, who has a tremendous doubles pairing, uh, number two in the country. And uh, they did, um, you know, net that upsets if you will let me uh, use that pun uh, Carol Lee and Kate Carol Lee sorry and Kate Sherebura, um big upset for them so that's great to see hopefully uh, text doubles is trending up because you know always nice to notch that first point in a match uh, then only having to go three for six on singles rather than than four for two is a, a pretty pretty notable difference um, Tech did go five for eight in singles on the second day as well. Uh, with no Georgia Southern, that's really the only tech women's tennis news we got, and and we'll kind of pivot towards what's coming next. Uh, I think a little bit later, or do you want to do that right now? No, we'll
0: we'll we'll, we'll cobble them together because I think we have a couple of discussion points there as well. Um, Let's talk about the men real quick. They are receiving votes in the ITA rankings. So receiving votes, they're rankings, not really polls. So it's weird to.
1: They're they're outside of the top 25, but it's not like they're publishing everybody in that rank. You know what I mean? They're on the bubble. Yeah,
0: they're on the top 25 bubble. They uh, hosted the MLK Invitational in Atlanta. Uh, day one versus Columbia University. That was a four three win, from what I can tell from the stat sheet. Illinois was on day two. That was also a four three win. Day three had a little bit of a weird setup. Uh, there were two singles matches and two doubles matches. So not really a dual match sort of setup. Uh, Martin defeated his Columbia opponent in straight sets. Chopra defeated his Columbia opponent in straight sets. Both of them, weirdly enough, 6-2, 6-1, and then the reverse 6-1, 6-2. And then Martin and Dong took out their UNC opponent, 6-3, in a doubles pairing. Uh, And then Chopra and Shelsher took out their Columbia opponent by a score of 6-3 in that doubles pairing. The one thing that I saw from so reading through the stats, reading through the recaps here was that, I don't think we've, you could correct me if I'm wrong and you probably will, but I don't think we've seen a Chopra shelter pairing. Really? I think it's usually been Chopra dong. Uh, Martin also usually is not paired with dong. So a little bit of rotation early in the season, uh, which I find really
1: curious. You're very correct on the, the Martin dong, but, um, Chopra shelter is a little more common. Um, again, we could, we could pull numbers on that, but you're kind of putting me on, on the spot there, but it's definitely something. Yeah, right. We don't
0: need to get it That's exactly
1: right in the ballpark before, but, um, in terms of teams that we see, we we've seen Columbia and Illinois at this event, basically, as long as I've been covering this team, uh, the weirder part is in the past, it has been another out of conference team, <clears throat> the the team from Athens, usually if you catch my drift, um, and, uh, that Monday feature, MLK day uh, usually being Tech versus Athens so a little bit different not seeing them in that spot um but uh yeah a little bit of lineup rotation seeing Martin play um not with McDaniel is, is pretty unusual so uh interesting to see that there and then uh yeah just just in terms of the the competition uh Chopra amazing weekend for him i believe he went 3 and 0 in singles and in doubles um <laughs> so you know could uh could not do much better than, than what he got asked for there. And, and like we noted um, a couple of those two set wins as well. So um, pretty good to see Georgia tech did also play state and the Citadel uh, this weekend state. Um, I, I always feel a little bit bad saying this, but this is kind of like their super bowl. Um, they do want to come in, into tech and win. Um, they, they bring the fire every year. was that was always one that it was kind of like you show up for the meet and you're like, Oh gosh, like I could, I, I can feel the vibes um and Oh know, yeah but-
0: that that one's always loud like yep. e- in the arena the for a couple of times that we were able to go uh, while we were students that one was a rowdy one yep. um especially with the with the parents from you know near they're nearby most of the recruits are nearby it, it gets really loud uh this mm-hmm. one was kind of routine I think despite oh. what the final score
1: says absolutely that that's exactly the takeaway I would have had there too um Georgia state uh is Better than you think. Uh, they're number sixty-three in the ITA draft uh, standings. We'll get. Oh, we'll get, there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll unbox that in just a sec. That's kind of what we were alluding to at the end of the women's tennis thing, uh, because the ITA uh, kickoff weekend is always a weird little thing. But um, yeah, uh, Tech did win four-three against Georgia State. Uh, they were up for nothing, and three points came back the other way due to a retirement. Uh, a Two set, two very close set. I believe it was 6-4 and 7-5 or 7-6. Uh, Loss by a freshman, uh, Angel Guerrero. Um, and then we also had a tie break uh, go against Tech. It was 1-1. Uh, one, one, and, you know, with, with the match already decided 4 nothing, it was kind of like house money, I guess. It, the the retirement is mm-hmm. not as big a deal. That the tie break, you're not going to play a full set, etc. So, yeah, uh, a 4-3 much more, I would say, dominant win than, than you'd think um, looking at it. And plus, you didn't have McDaniel in the singles lineup either. So that definitely would have pushed everyone down another peg. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's move on to the Citadel game, which was sort of similar. But when I was reading through the box score for this one, there was no third doubles game or match or whatever they're called, uh, and no six singles uh, match. So weirdly enough, both of those points got awarded to uh, uh, the Citadel on the stat sheet and I think on the final score, but everything else was pretty routine in terms of it, it, just in the same way, uh, pretty much.
1: Yeah, um, I I will say that on the like live stats, because they haven't posted a, a review yet of, of the match, on the live stats, the uh jackets took the first doubles um six to one uh andres martin and, and keshav chopra against some squad rotation just absolutely smashing um uh, the citadel boys um shendog and angel guerrero played on court two um they did lose there and then on court three it was citadel player and player so blank and blank one by forfeit and the score was listed as 98 to nothing uh so granted that with the obvious caveat that we weren't there and the results, like the recap hasn't been posted yet. Don't really know if that was a retirement or just text saying like, we don't have the players, somebody's sick, somebody's injured. Like it's a, I wouldn't really be more into it than that. Like if it was health and safety protocols, they probably would have just health and safety did probably something along that Mm -hmm. line. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, in terms of the actual singles, uh, Anders Martin, 6260 on court 1 Keshav Chopra in two sets Shendong 6262 Shelcher 6460 and Anhel Guerrero freshman on court 5 6-0, 6-0, with a 98- 90 6060
0: four- is nasty
1: like that there's no getting around that's a that's a paddling right there I'm I'm not going to uh disparage Anhel Guerrero too much but a 6060 by the still like adapting to the ncaa game freshman like the, the the team's deep this the team's a little deeper this year um they, they they deserve that 29 ranking and i think uh based on how they played against columbia and illinois who were both you know receiving votes level teams I, I think i think that stock should go up i'm I'm not saying book your tickets to seattle or madison i forget if which men and women are hosting the the ITA nationals, but you know, I think they'll, they'll at least make it a contest up in, up in Charlottesville this weekend. So
0: let's talk about the ITA kickoff weekend. Uh, that's coming up for both the men's and the women's teams. We alluded to it a little bit earlier. Uh, the women are actually up first. They are playing this weekend. They're hosting uh, their own regional. They are the 10, 10th national seed. Uh, they'll host Michigan, Ole Miss and Old Dominion. I think the pairing, is Michigan Ole Miss and then Tech Old Dominion um, for the actual matches uh, and then on the men's side they are on the 29th and 30th they will be up in Charlottesville later this week I think that's this week next weekend next weekend um, number 7 UVA is the host and then 34 Tech Middle Tennessee State and Ball State I don't have the exact pairings for that one in front of me but I think the thing that we really wanted to talk about, at least that leg was the draft setup for this. You mentioned that they do this every year and it just hurts my brain to think about how this works and why someone would do it in this fashion.
1: Yeah. I don't know why they do this. And and I know it's been a thing for a while because um, we've definitely talked about this uh, with the, from the Rumble seat so chat, um, former host, uh, Ethan Kreger also was, uh, definite, uh, alluded to that this being the case, um, in, in the past on the show, but, um, basically what happens is the host of nationals gets an automatic bid to, you know, they're, they're one of the top 16 teams and then 15 other sites are chosen. So this year, number 66 was, uh, Washington and number 64, Wisconsin are hosting, uh, probably all going to be top 20 ish at the very least teams uh, coming into their buildings. And after that, after those top uh, 15 teams are selected as hosts. So for the women's uh, particular case, that's Texas, North Carolina, Pepperdine, uh, the school in Athens, UCLA, NC state, Florida state, Duke, Virginia, Georgia tech, UCF, Ohio state, Cal Berkeley, Baylor and A&M are the 15 hosts. And there are slates after that. Uh, of uh, i think it's 10 more teams each so we had uh, uh 16 through 26 but not number 25 for whatever reason lined up uh, in kind of like a slate in the first hour or 45 minutes where michigan's the first up They're number 16 they get to pick where they're headed and in this case they picked to be the number two seed at georgia tech so number 10 georgia tech and number 16 michigan um with the winner in in the bracket, then going on to play um, whoever. So number seven, whoever comes out of the Florida state regional with Florida FIU and Illinois. Uh, And basically it just proceeds down the list uh, where if you look at the 17 and 18 seeds, LSU and Tennessee, back to back, they picked to be the second and third seeds at Ohio state. So the 12, 17 and 18 ranked teams in the country are all in the Ohio state region. Um, Again, the the winner of that region would come out to be the winner of the UCLA region once they're in Madison. So very interesting proposition here, kind of unlike anything we see in college sports anywhere else. I would say
0: it's bizarre, legitimately bizarre
1: where you have to
0: bid on where you want to. It's so weird. Well it's almost if- it's like the reverse of that one-time MLB proposal for the uh for the wildcard games. I think this was during the 2020 season, right before they when they were renegotiating how they were gonna do the postseason, where there was a situation where MLB was like, Oh, we'll just let the higher seeds pick who they want to play out of whoever wins the divisional games, which was just so bizarre. Yep. And- Anyway, it's, well, so those are the matchups.
1: I was going to say, um, I got one more thing here. Um, go for it. If you look at every other regional, the highest overall like ranked region is Tech. It is Tech at 10, Michigan at 16, Ole Miss at 28, and Old Dominion at 30. Uh, because in that second slate of the next 10 teams, uh, you had USC picked to be the three-seed at Baylor, then Old Miss picked to be the three-seed at Tech, Vanderbilt picked to be the two seed at Cal and then right after them Old Dominion was like nope we want we want the fourth seed in Atlanta so go figure that's it's just
0: so bizarre so bizarre Uh, just to round out the scheduled talk men's tennis also has two more dates coming up one versus Auburn they'll host that on February 4th uh, and then February 6th at South Carolina. Those are the ones I saw. I, I didn't have the ones coming up for, for women's tennis in front of me.
1: Yep. I also got one more note. Uh, I think it's kind of a allusion to the power of the ACC this year in women's tennis that uh, Louisville and Syracuse, Louisville, who was your number 60th team in the country, the 46th pick in the draft and uh, Syracuse, the number 28 pick in the draft slash the number 44 team in the country or the seed or whatever ita is determining there Uh, they both passed um acc is looking to be strong if you're taking extra losses you don't want to be doing that there so you know coming out of this weekend with a few quality wins is great um and and getting hopefully to nationals then being the goal to get some some opportunities against big time players uh coming up in the next couple weeks too
0: Yep. Speaking of teams that have had opportunities versus big time players, let's talk about tech women's basketball. They have played like five games in two and a half weeks, five or six games in two and a half weeks. There have been too many games uh, that I've counted recently. So they played Pitt, FSU, Miami, Syracuse, and UNC. UNC was today. I've got a little bit on that, but tell me, Start with, tell me about the pit and FSU games, sir.
1: Yeah, um, so those were both very interesting, um, in kind of wildly different ways, (laughs) I think is a fair way to put it. Um, pit, uh, Georgia Tech jumped out to a big lead. I think this has been a theme we've seen really in every contest, um, wins and losses. It's true to today's game as North Carolina versus North Carolina as it was against. FSU, uh, as it was against Syracuse, as it was against Pitt, it, it was a theme. Georgia Tech out of the gate started strong, uh, both effective on defense and great on offense. Uh, Pitt is not too bueno. Um, they and Syracuse are both, um, you know, towards towards the bottom. They're, they're the second languishing team. at the bottom conference. of the conference, one might yes. say. Um, Pitt was also playing without their best player due, a, due to a coaching decision. Go figure there. Um, I don't have any insight there. I don't really know if I ever will. And that's okay. Um, Georgia tech uh, stayed in command through the first half. Um, and then in the second, particularly the fourth, really, really the fourth Pitt scored 20 something points in the fourth quarter while tech was held to single digits. Granted, you can afford to do that when you're up by almost 30. Uh, but the fact that the game ended, I believe 62 to 53. So that nine, 10 point margin uh, is, is not great and, and kind of emblematic, right? We We saw tech lose a lead late against Miami and, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit too. We saw tech lose a five point lead with 90 seconds to play against Louisville. Um, you know, you, you want to, you want to be winning those comp, uh, com, competitions, um, particularly against a good team like Louisville and a scrappy team like Miami. Um, and granted we did already talk about Louisville, so I'm not going to sit too much on that, but, uh, tech, uh, jumped ahead to a lead against FSU and and kind of saw the same thing happen, except uh, to the point where they were digging themselves out of a late hole. And and that one could have gone the other way as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Miami, like you mentioned, that one was sort of the, I would say was kind of the reverse of the FSU game. Sort of Miami did to Tech what Tech did to FSU, right? Because it took what, like six or eight straight points at the end of the frame for Tech to beat FSU. I have a boat race on here for some reason. That's not what happened. Um, But Miami sort of did the, did the opposite. Like you said, it was a, it was a very close game um, because tech had taken its foot off the gas and Miami just slipped past
1: and took advantage. Yeah. Um, They, they were, they were playing the exact kind of basketball they wanted to play. Tech has had a turnover issue this year. I I don't think that that's really a thing you can have much of a doubt. And, And again, Syracuse, Georgia Tech shot almost 50%. They led wire to wire. Loaded Myelotnin, scored a basket on a free throw before the game even started. They led quite literally all 40 minutes of that game, but turned the ball over 26 times. They Miami, almost
0: doubled up Hughes on
1: turnovers and yeah. still won by a comfortable lead. Comfortable, comfortable, never in doubt lead, nonetheless. Um, which, again, and, and I kind of uh, go read Yellow Jacket Roundup, you'll see this, but I, I allude to this. Georgia Tech has these fundamental flaws that kind of show up every once in a while. And certain teams can take advantage of it better than others. Miami has always played a bruising defense that with tech, not having a lot of uh, ball handler type uh, point guard um, players with, with no care Fletcher kind of leading the way there. um, They've struggled with ball security, right? And Miami was able to force those turnovers um, and, and granted. So with Syracuse, the difference with Syracuse is, um, Georgia tech was very efficient in every other aspect of the game, right? They were shooting free throws. Well, that the threes weren't hurting them. They were shooting 50% from the floor. They were rebounding. Well, um, also
0: Syracuse is down like 13 scholarship players because of transfers after an off season scandal. So
1: yeah. A couple other factors. Gina <laughs> who I can't imagine where the team would be without that, considering the depth that we've had um, otherwise. So, you know, it's, it's the, it's the flip side of that same coin. And, and Georgia tech Yes, they turned the ball over a lot against Syracuse, but it felt like every shot they were taking was finding its way into the net. And, and you can have games where, a la Auburn, you know, those shots aren't falling. Or games like Purdue, where you shoot a lot of threes and they're not falling and you're not great at the free throw line. Tech has these recurring things that we've seen, but quite frankly, they are talented enough and good enough at enough aspects of the game that, like today, went on a 10 plus minute field goal drought, but because they can hold the number 20 team in the country to under 40 points and can, you know, hold their ground in rebounds and they they're effective from the free throw line. That's all it takes. You know, like you don't have to be world beaters in every aspect of the game. This isn't Yukon, right? <laughs> like this is not, you know, Alabama football or, or Wisconsin volleyball. You are not going to be able to dominate every phase of the game arkansas baseball whatever that is oklahoma softball georgia tech does not have a single program built like that maybe 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 golf could get to somewhere like that maybe baseball you know who knows if things break the right way i'm not here to be like sunny and lollipops like we have teams that are good enough in enough phases of the game with enough consistency that you know men's women's tennis um volleyball that we saw in the fall women's basketball now like these aren't the teams that are undefeated in conference play type teams but they are good enough to snag that top four seed and and go on a little run through the tournament or, or whatever that winds up being you know
0: it's a it's a lot of words to say it's a great team that has some very exploitable flaws right i think that's the that's the overarching summary is that the turnover the turnover thing is something that we saw today too uh versus u n c and and we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second but uh, free throw but I think the difference between some other teams and and this one is that they sort of are aware of some of their mishaps right and, they, and they've grown passive right We talked a lot earlier in the season about how they were really struggling from the from the charity strike, and that is a place where they have gotten slowly and steadily better that's something that Clearly, that percentage has continued to go up, and that's something that they, they seem to have been working on. Yep. Um, it, getting Bringing the turnover numbers down, I think, is a tougher issue, especially because you don't have a point guard, a ball handler, that is dealing the ball at the top of the key, right? You're yep. focused more on people that are uh, more, uh, more physical, more, uh, you know, more... I'm gonna take this shot at the top of the key. I'm not necessarily looking to sort of spread the field necessarily, but yep. what you're asking them to do in the offensive setup is spread the field, um, yep. and that uh, that obviously leads to leads to some issues, especially with with turnovers. So, I think those two things. I, I think that thing especially is something we saw versus UNC, where as the game went on, uh, and a reason why I got a little concerned in the second and third quarters is that unc had pressed up a little bit and started playing a little bit um more aggressive defense and made tech make a lot of position or a lot of decisions from right outside the three-point line so you have tech playing the iowa football kind of time management kind of style of basketball that they do but all of their decisions aren't forced from the top of the key they're not spreading the ball from there they're they're spreading the ball from basically the midpoint between the three-point line and and the halfway line, or the end of the end of the G and GT, or the, on the other side, right? So when UNC pushes up, Tech is forced to either take bad perimeter shots or try to pass the ball into the teeth of that defense, and that's where UNC is able to create a little bit of nonsense uh, and a little bit of traction and start clawing their way back going their way into the game, I think is a better way to say, not back into the game. Um, but I, I think another thing is that it, it also works both ways, right? Tech plays that bruising style of defense to where UNC for much of this game, the first and fourth quarters, especially just basically flailed at the basket. Uh, they were not getting shots to fall. At uh, Some things were, they were not getting shots to fall. And then some, like they were just getting very, very unlucky. To the point where you're like, oh, they're just taking good shots, they're getting to the basket, they're taking mid-range jumpers, but they are not falling, they're rimming out, or they're just, like, they, 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 the tech is playing such a good defense that all of those shots are hurried. Um yep. And it, and but... It was just a very good, very solid defensive performance from a team that we know is capable of doing that night after night after night after night against this caliber of opponent, albeit giving the caveat that this opponent is not necessarily as good as their record may have made them out to be.
1: I don't think they've beaten a team that one would colloquially Consider better than them yet this year. I think today yeah. if they would have won today. It, it, it would have been their Mark Ewan of the year. But yeah. um, that being said, uh again, being in the acc they do have plenty of opportunities to get one of those, and I'm sure they will um, because they are well coached and they're they're pretty solid. Uh, and their defense was was good in, in shutting down tech at times day two. Um I think the performance of the game, e- even if it wasn't you know the highest scoring output or anything like that, has to be the Sarah Bates spark plug. Uh, at the mid end of the third to, uh, you know, get two cuts into the lane um, for, you know, just two easy scores. Get those layups, get those bu- buckets. Those are two points. Count them uh, each time it happens. And then the, uh, the three pointer that she nailed as well. The heat um, check yeah. three.
0: Yeah. He check man. three in transition was absolutely dirty. I do not care that UNC went back the other way and hit a three in response. But she steps into that three with no one in her face, drains it, and then does a massive uh, high five line as she's running as she's running back. And it's just an insane thing to watch from the, the stand. The girl's got
1: swag. The girl's got swag. And Absolutely. I think the main thing about tech is, is the, I, I don't want to harp on those flaws that we talked about, though they are, they are things. As <laughs> and know, in our defense, when we mentioned better. the
0: flaws, we said great team,
1: but flaws. Yes. We led and, with and, the great team bit. And I think folding right into that really well, it, this is like the team's team, right? There is no, they are, they are better than the sum of their parts uh, as, as a team, because if you look at it on any given day, that leading scorer, and just to pick one most notable stat, can be Lorella Kubai, it could be Norea Hermosa, it could be Dina Strotmanov, it could be Lodemai Lotnid, it could be Aaliyah Love. And that's five players, right? <laughs> it, and that doesn't even include the, the oddball chance that, you know, Sarah Bates lights up for nine points in, in, in a five-minute stretch. Like, that is, that is this team, right? It, it doesn't matter that, you know, Lola to again, just to throw out a name, will not have a 30-point night every night or whatever that is, right? And, <clears throat> and she doesn't need to because the rest of the team is deep and they use all the options. And I, I think the main thing, that more than any of the flaws we mentioned because and again a lot of those are solvable they they have done strides on that free throw shooting and that is testament to it they, they've done hopefully they can do the same for turnovers or, or something like that next um mm-hmm. the main thing that's going to hold this team back and and even with those flaws um they could already be a you know, Final Four team or out in the first or second game of the of the tournament. Same with the ACC; they could win the ACC tournament, they could be out in the first game. Like that. That is depends
0: huge. how good your opponents are at taking advantage and keying in on those issues.
1: And the key thing there being, be they from fouls or from injuries, the effect of the short bench. Because at some point, and we we can kind of unbox it. That I, I think it may be a little bit premature to talk about Lorella Kubai going down with a, an ankle injury, presumably ankle injury, with uh, two minutes left of the game, because that was only an hour and a half ago. I, have, I know the two of us have not had time to watch like Nell Fortner's postgame presser, and she probably doesn't even know the full extent of that yet, right? Um, it, losing Kabai, the anchor, probably, maybe not star, but the anchor uh, of this team um, would be very tough. Uh, and whether that is fouls, love fouling out of the Louisville game certainly did not help us there, um, or injuries. Uh, you know already having Kara Fletcher on the bench um, out uh, medically redshirting due to due to continued injury there or um, you know the the in-season stuff Sarah Bates last year potentially this now like the Tex Tex tech short lineup is, is probably my main concern there outside outside of you know talking about everything that we have so far mm-hmm. and I've been This whole time
0: in the background, I've been scrolling through Twitter trying to figure out if there's an update on her health from the press conference, but I'm not really seeing anything right now. Um, I will say, having been there, uh, she was walking around. So just to set the table here, she went down uh, late in the fourth quarter, I think with about two, three minutes left. uh, There was a scrum right at the basket she picked up a rebound and then went to the ground. I think someone had either stepped on her leg or her ankle had sort of curled the wrong way. Yeah. she was down for a while. Um, I, I assume TV coverage cut, uh, cut away, but oh, I have never not... heard. Oh, it did not. No, um, the audio
1: cut out a lot, but, but the TV, yeah, the, audio the audio was
0: terrible. Audio was terrible, but the, the arena, they were also, wow, we're getting off topic, but uh, ESPN ACC Networks crew was not calling this game from from a Camish. They were calling it off of a monitor wherever they're based. Um, yeah, but uh, she was down for five, six, seven, eight minutes. I'm just naming numbers at that point. She, uh, I have never heard that arena get that dead silent in a while. Um, I, I think the last time might have been the Jose Alvarado shoulder elbow injury from oh, man. Um, almost four years ago now. Um, but she like she was down for a while. She gets up. She, at this point, obviously, three minutes left in the game. So she just sort of, two trainers help her to the locker room. She's able to put a little bit of weight on that leg, but not a ton. Um, hey, so that bit is concerning. That's even with adrenaline. So there's that. And then after the game, um with the rest of the team celebrating on the court she comes out she's walking a little bit on it um still gingerly still slowly with a with one person sort of you know following her around making sure that she's able to not gonna tip over um so unclear really I, i'm not gonna i'm not a doctor right that's not what my degree is in and then far be it for me to also diagnose just by looking <laughs> at video basically uh, yeah so- irl video never mind um but we'll see uh it could either be a two-week thing where it's just you know a sprain or it could be uh done for the year i mean the feet like foot injuries are weird they always happen um and so we'll just kind of have to evaluate once we get a press release which we literally have not seen like i don't even know if there was press conference coverage of this so
1: there was. I just was about to log on to this and only realized it.
0: <laughs> uh, womp but... womp. I, I didn't see it, so I, I, there's not anything on Twitter either, so um, we'll just have to either go back and watch Nell's press conference to see if there's an update, or um, I'll just sort of pay attention. They do play again Thursday. Uh, yep. I forgot to look at who the opponent was. I think it's Boston College. But the next two weeks are kind of a very interesting stretch for this team and it gets more concerning if Kubai isn't able to play especially like you said with the short bench uh boston college is coming off of upsets of notre dame and miami uh, that's next that's coming on thursday clemson is well clemson that one should be regardless of who you have available that one should be pretty straightforward um, <laughs> you-
1: watch yourself watch yourself
0: i'm just saying it should be straightforward I uh, look, I have broken out of my shell of uh, sports fatalism for now. Um,
1: Yeah, we almost we played them three times last year and almost lost twice as much as we should not have. But just just my my straightforward.
0: He said straightforward. Uh, Duke is very good. Um, They are also ranked. Uh, They I mean, Carol has done a really good job with that program. And even despite them taking a year off, basically. there's a week break after that, but then they go to Raleigh to play NC state in the play for K game. That is a really, really good opportunity to get a even more arguably even more signature win than UConn in terms of the context of this season, rather than, you know, program defining, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Given that NC state is still undefeated in conference and um, still, I mean, they're, like number four number two something absurd um and still sort of murder birding fools left and right so really good opportunity here to make a statement but also i have especially with the short bench i have some difficulty seeing how this happens without kuba at, at least 80 to 90 percent
1: yeah um but that—that's the thing too. There, there's almost an hour between, not an hour, almost a week between uh, the Duke game and the NC State game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you if you set the clock like that, we got about 16 days, um, hopefully, before before the UNC or before the NC, NC State, State contest. So that would be that would be my main thing to watch for there. But.
0: Yeah, it's really I think that the sum total of what's ahead for women's basketball really hinges on a medical evaluation coming up later this week.
1: So basically, we don't know anything. And this was all speculation following the results of this game. And that's okay because rampant speculation is kind of our bag. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Speaking about teams that uh, don't really need rampant speculation, let's talk about the other team that inhabits uh, McCamish pavilion men's basketball i have put in the document big sigh (sighs) every game is the same every game that they played this season is the exact same i don't know if we need to go into the exact details of of what has happened the short version is that this team has not put together good results right um Josh Passer, I think we owe it to him to cut him a little bit of slack because oh, more than the money of slack, more than the I think and I'm saying this not as a biased individual. I'm really trying to say this is not as a biased individual, but losing an ACC player of the year and a ACC defensive player of the year who played almost all of the minutes available to them or are available in a season that level of production is just impossible to replace, right? Or or near impossible to replace with freshmen. Yep. I think he deserves a little bit of slack, but I think we can also still say that the performances have been bad. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree. Um, I think they've been disappointing, but not in a way that's like, I mean, it's a little concerning, but I I would say that the, we have not yet had a game against power five competition where Debo, Jordan Mecca, uh, Miles Kelly, et cetera, probably two or three more on this list that I could keep going on, maybe even Davon Smith, um, have played up to their potential. I think that this team is stuck almost between a spot where parts of it are too old, you know, the good old and stay there, and parts are too young. And it is a very interesting combination then between, you know, Mike Devoe and Jordan Usher and even Kyle Sturdivant, they've been around a long time. They've been around a long <clears> time <throat> at this point and they know how they want to play. Uh, they've seen success. They know what that looks like. And that's great. That's a value. But it also is a point where it it doesn't seem like it's getting us enough opportunity to get Debo Coleman, Miles Kelly, Jordan Mecca, the, mo- the minutes that they need, the development they need. This may be a bold take in saying that Mike DeVoe and Jordan Usher are too good for their own good, but I, I don't know. I, I think that there there's also just a lot of youth on the team and, and they need more time. And I think maybe we didn't expect they would need this much time. Uh, I think you can talk to Passner in, in in his post game and, and various presser comments of they thought they were getting Jose Alvarado back. People were, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't know about Moses. Um, but, like, it's hard to recruit and say – or recruit, go to the transfer portal, whatever that is, and say, hey, am I going to be able to get minutes? Like, what if this Moses Wright guy comes back? Then I would just be sitting on the bench the whole time. What if this and especially guy I guy think guy comes back? Like, y- if you don't know, Jose's not going to be here, then what are you supposed to say about that, you know? I think one thing
0: that also made that more difficult is that – and this is sort of a Pastner-specific comment – is that Passner after or that entire spring, publicly stated that Tech was going to go into the transfer portal, but if Jose Alvarado wanted to come back to Tech, the spot would be open. He was very – which, which like, props to him for saying it, but at the same time, you lose a little bit of leverage when you're trying to recruit guys into your program from the transfer pro- portal, right? Like you said, they don't know if the guy is going to come back and he, they're going to get minutes, and so that's why you see tech, like you said, half old and stayed old, and then half young, and very very raw. So it, I think one of the points that you made in terms of Michael Devoe and Jordan Usher and Kyle Stewart, maybe Kyle Stewart a little bit less so, but Mike, Michael Devoe and Jordan Usher are still being on the team and coming back for their for their extra years, it I don't think it would have been I I don't think saying that they or let me see how I can phrase this saying that they should have just left and the team would be better off is not necessarily true
1: it's not it's not I don't want that to be the takeaway either
0: but but, but I think the point that we can make is they, these kinds of results would have cut past no more slack had they left yes right? the yes. the public would be the public the sort of Georgia Tech ecosystem uh, fans, et cetera, the media, et cetera, would be willing to cut passer more slack had he had he had a full deck of freshmen and sophomores that hadn't really seen a lot of time because of a short rotation last year, rather than a team that is half old, half young, and sort of struggling to find the balance of performance and, and performance and find consistency.
1: Yep. I would agree. I think the 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 other thing I would want to add to that too is just the concept, the idea of like, not that I, I don't think last year's net results can be seen as the past pastor mountaintop, just because mm-hmm. like, you, you got to say like, okay, it's the expectation can't really be one NCAA tournament every five years. Granted, we won the ACC tournament, but I'll admit to this too. That's probably the flukiest ACC tournament win that there will ever possibly be. We only won two games, <laughs> like until sorry. the
0: next pandemic. But have, yeah. but what have you?
1: Exactly. Um, like, it's frustrating because I think the general expectation maybe was was probably to get back to the tournament. You know, re- returning to vote, mm-hmm. returning usher um, at, at the time, potentially even Alvarado and Wright. But I think there's more of an existential dread to it. And this is me kind of diagnosing the situation rather than like having any actual numbers. Psychologist Jake is in, is in the office. Exactly. I I think it is people, people not seeing their increased expectations met rather than this being the obvious, like return, not return to form, but you know, the regression that was to it. We, we won what? Like, 13 of the last 14 games last year or something ridiculous. It like took
0: an absurd run to get to get to the tournament because they were on that bubble
1: for months and months and months. I, I completely pulled that number uh, out of nowhere. It, it could have been like nine of 10 or, or whatever it was. Georgia I, Tech he, had to earn every bit of it. And I think that people are more existentially dreading that that is going to be the peak is going to have to be the, scratch and claw to be in the tournament at all. When I don't really think that's the case because quite frankly, the the, the recruits that aren't getting enough time right now are not recruits, but the freshmen that aren't getting enough time right now are the same people that were just passing their best ranked recruiting class ever. Like, I, I think just let the man work, like give it another cycle, give it a year or two. Like I, and it sucks. I'm not trying to say write this off because there's enough game left in the season that you can put together a solid end to the year finish a little bit above 500 or even at 500 going in the ACC tournament, you just got to win five games. You're in. You just got to win a couple. Maybe you make a deep NIT run. I still found a lot of fun and value my freshman year of college with that NIT run. Granted, it's not an NCAA tournament run, but it is, is is perfectly an acceptable and achievable thing that this team could do. And, and heck there's enough game and enough time left in the season. that They can win 10 plus more games, you know, you, you never know. They could catch fire and, mm-hmm. and you could be laughing about it. Cause quite frankly, and, and Passner's pointed this out too. Um, One, I think he he's been good about not making the Jose Moses excuse this year, but two, his teams have gotten better throughout the year. And I don't think this team's played enough games yet together as like a team with how many new faces or different faces or different roles everyone has for it to be, you know, the world is ending. Oh no, what's going to happen. You know? I mean we play what 20
0: ACC games these days, right? Yeah. And you still have the bulk of those left.
1: I feel like there's I 20, think we've 14 20, or something like that left. Six, 7 8 nine, 10
0: 11 12 13, at least 13. Yeah. Counting is hard. But I I'm with you. I think it's just it it's expectations that have not been properly reset
1: for uh, across that. a fan base that. that
0: Yeah. I, I was excited. Sue me. Uh, I'll have your I'll have my lawyer contact yours. Just just give me a couple of days.
1: All right. Uh email compliance at from the please.
0: Uh, everyone send your complaints to at Magna Carter Live on Twitter. Yep. Thanks. Director of compliance. So before we run out of time here, give me one reason to keep watching this team despite sort of the malaise that we've discussed?
1: I mean, it's college basketball. It is the most exciting sport. Like, I mean, that's a cop-out, but I could watch terrible basketball all day. Maybe that's just my, my fatal that's flaw. Some sicko, that's some sicko stuff right there. Hey, hey I, I grew up on some bad Missouri Valley Bradley teams in the early 2000s. Would you man. say they were badly Braves? Oh, shoot. Sh- no, no, no. Um, but when it, when it comes together, it pays off. I think this team has not played, um, to our expectations, nor to their potential. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential left out there outtapped. And even then if they're not winning the games, just seeing how Kelly Coleman, uh, Mecca, again, I'll put that out there. Even Davon Smith, uh, we've seen him get better, I would say. Um, and, and, you know, just keep an eye on those. That that's the future, right? Michael DeVoe mm-hmm. and Jordan Usher. As as much as I love them and have enjoyed their time on the flats, they're not the future. Like watch these to see who's going to be starting next year. And I, I I don't know the the basketball emotions, and I, I'm sure you can back this up, have been all over the board. Uh, seeing Jose Alvarado finally get the time in the sun that we all knew he was going to get, and like no one plays with as much heart and as clean of a stingy defense as he does. And you cannot have those same expectations of of whoever's handling about whether it's Davon or Kyle Sturdivant or whoever. They're not Jose Alvarado, right? And and I think that's been good perspective. These guys aren't going to be Moses or Jose or you know. We only got what two years of James Banks, and even then he was like a lovable character and a great player and you know very uh, good with the social media and all those things that endear players to us. Somebody's going to bubble up in in the similar or same vein. I don't know who it's going to be but it's going to be somebody and the times now to watch and, and see who that's going to be. Is that kind of weird of a cop-out? I feel like that was a weird little dive No,
0: out. no, that's fine. I'm I'm now curious where James Bank, James Banks plays and now I have to figure this out. Well, I'll figure it out off, off stream, but I will figure it out. I'm very curious. Uh, in, It looks like he plays for the Birmingham squadron okay Who? that's the pelicans g-league team
1: hey huh. the pelicans must really like josh Pasner or something so he played he played two years
0: for uh i'm not even gonna try to pronounce that uh, an israeli premier league side uh, and then yeah. came back to the u.s in august so that's it's pretty sick I
1: don't hey, he he's he's close i need to uh i need to look up uh I haven't heard much on Moses Wright lately either. I'm I'm going to give him a cursory little. Is he also still on the Pelicans practice squad or the nah. Pelicans G League team? Looks like Agua Caliente Clippers. Oh, that's the Clippers G League team. Yeah.
0: No, I think now we're just spinning our wheels. Uh anything else to discuss before we get out of here?
1: Um I I don't I don't know. Um, I think that's, that's about it for what I got, uh, in terms of things to look for tennis is, is the theme of the upcoming week. That's going to be probably the most interesting stuff to watch, uh, to see if tech can play into the, uh, their respective ITA indoor nationals tournaments. Um, other than that, you know, we're, we're rocketing towards baseball and softball season. So we'll be plenty, there'll be plenty of content to talk about once that starts. And I, I think we still win an hour today on this short week. So Oh, my God. Never.
0: You need to stop telling me that these things are going to be short, because then I have to sit and edit an hour of audio every hey, single
1: time. We were perfect today, so you should not have to make any edits. And nobody correct us, because then that uh, ruins the illusion.
0: I never edit these things anyway, so really, we're giving up the game. We will see everyone next